you didn't take the time to reflect and, you know, take some risks, then you kind of wasted a gift. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Neon Talk, a podcast about the innovation and motivation behind artists, entrepreneurs, and business owners following their dreams. This is episode 120, and on the podcast today with me, I have DJ, producer, computer engineer, kind of just a jack of all trades, Ross Hyatt, aka Riot. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yo, yo, how's it going? Good, good. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, as uh, like we were, I was just saying, I've got David over here in the uh, in the chat already giving us some huge shout outs. Thanks to just big shout out to him um, for actually getting us acquainted with each other and getting you on the show here. Um, really, really cool um, opportunity to be able to have another uh, longtime DJ, also entrepreneur, just kind of uh, someone who's followed anytime you had an inkling of something that you wanted to do you just kind of followed chased it dove into it head first and I think that's awesome and I want to talk about a little bit of everything that you do so let's kind of start off with uh with the basis of of where it all started with your I guess technology adventure with uh with DJing you started about what like 11 years ago yeah 10 11 years ago so god 2009 2010 like I, you know, it's funny, like, I don't even, like, remember specifically what got me into DJing. I think it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, this is cool, I'm going to pick it up. And, uh, yeah, I think, like, listening to, to be honest with you, like, Avicii, Swedish House Mafia, um, early Skrillex, like, I've just never felt that type of energy before. Um, and, yeah, the, the story goes on from there. I mean, it's just been a great adventure since. So when you first kind of listening to to the EDM music and getting your head first into it, because you've also do producing and, and you've made some music as well, too. So what part of it exactly made you want to, like, jump into it? What what part was it the the opportunity to be able to kind of play music for other people? Was it the creation of the music that, like, mm-hmm. really got you going? What What really, like, pushed you to keep after all those years? I think the people, to be honest with you, like being able to go to a club, go to a rave, and this is back in like the Candy Kids day, you know, like people were passing out candy and stuff. That was like the coolest thing. Like, um, I personally wasn't like a candy kid. I never made it. But like, there was times where I would just like walk in, some dude is just like, yo, take this. I'm like, I don't know you. It's like, nah, but just take it. Like, feel the vibe. Like, here, have have some candy. I'm just like cool like that, that that's a unique experience like that's awesome um but yeah I, I think secondly like you know i i talked about this with david on a previous episode of his talk show is you know edm focuses so much on the energy in the room unlike any other genre and um yeah you know, i mean you see today with streams like streams are just not the same as going to an actual event and when you're going and you're hearing that low-end bass, like, pound your heart, like, that feels addicting. It really is. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. It's having, it's almost like an adrenaline rush because, I mean, sound, I've talked about this before, like, sound vibrations, they're, they're really, they move people. And, I mean, I look at, like, Avicii's sets and how much he moved people with his music. Or, and, I mean, not even EDM, just some of these other 
amazing artists that can just articulate a sound that can move people that you just you can't really experience other than it being live. I mean, even listening to some buddies, I think play play guitar in a you know in a cl- enclosed room next to you is so much more powerful than sometimes streams can be, which is disappointing because of COVID and not allowing us obviously you know, things need to be the best that they can be when we do reopen back up. But it is definitely something that I think is is missing. It brings a lot of community back together for sure. 100%. Definitely. I mean, you've, you've seen a transition within the EDM scene from being when, when you first started to, to where you are now. I mean, we were even talking a little bit about, uh, about DJ Scotto uh, before we hopped on here and, and, you know, just how far it, just goes back to kind of the the beginnings of of what the rave culture was to where we are now where you mm-hmm. have festivals via live streams i i think there's just such an ebb and flow when it comes to edm and this type of music um i'm not sure if you've ever seen the documentary about edc like under the electric sky um but there's, like, one specific part with, like, Pasquale talking about, like, you know, in the 80s and 90s, he was, like, part of this rave culture. And that was his life until it really got corrupted by, you know, the drugs and stuff. And um, it really took a wrong turn for the worse. Um, and I think we see that up and down and up and down. Like, you know, a genre will get... It's, it's a new genre and you get this underground like feeling towards it you get a really devoted like crowd and then it gets out and about and you get that one artist that kind of really breaks through like i think the last couple of years like for tech house like fisher was that guy who everyone's like oh i love tech house all of a sudden but they can only name two fisher songs <laughs> you know um so you get that ebb and flow of like you get that community you build it on really you know, the structure of what that genre is. And then as it gets popular, I think it can tend to get diluted, like that feeling when everyone wants in on it and everyone, you get the wrong people involved in it. Yeah. But the one cool thing about EDM is that there's so many different genres. There's like a hundred more subgenres and stuff. And I really feel like there's a place for everyone, even if, you know, something gets popular and the wrong people get involved. There's a lot of different avenues you can go and kind of, you know, revitalize that energy. Oh, 100%. I mean, I was just talking to someone about this the other day where there's, it almost seems that there's like this, this new coming age of just a complete mesh of, of genres. You know, you can really mm-hmm. hear it strongly within just the EDM scene because people also, some, some of those who don't really understand, you know, EDM, just elect- electronic dance music. So it, it's just that umbrella term for so right. many things that are really just electronic music. And really, and, and you know, it, it's so many alternative songs nowadays, so many hip hop songs nowadays. Yeah. I mean, even country. And you've got, you've got all of these different types of genres that are adding in different types of whether it's, you know, bass, frequencies, or anything. It's just interesting to see not only the transition of music kind of coming together at at a certain point, and it's curious to see kind of where everything's going to continue to go because there's so many opportunities and the technology is is out there for, for anybody to just 
remix whatever type of song they want. Oh, yeah. I mean, there there was one project. I'm trying to think of the name of it. But it was a documentary on Hulu. Um, and I think there was, like, five or six, you know, producers and stuff who were in EDM. Mm-hmm. And there – it was a documentary about, like, you had to go to a vinyl store and sample a certain genre. And I just remember Pretty Lights sampled a country song. And you're thinking of stuff like country. Like, how, how do you make country EDM? And, I mean, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Pretty Lights. Um, <laughs> But, like, it's just beautiful, uh, the sampling aspect of it, of taking songs that were made. I mean, Levels by Avicii, questionably the biggest, you know, you know, pop EDM song of all time, is a song from, like, the late 80s, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, I, I think it's cool to recycle, you know, old music and really kind of turn it into something new that this newer generation even if they don't recognize where it's from or don't know the history of it you know it's just a continuation of that legacy of that musician yeah 100 percent. i think it's definitely a, a lot of things are just becoming you know reused recycled and and to hear it in a a new wave is, is so fascinating to see you know how people how their gears turn to be able to transition something that was already beautiful in that age to giving it a new flip of, you know, uh, just perspective in, in this yep. one, you know, Definitely. I think, I mean, you yourself, you've transitioned from when you first started DJing to just using kind of the basic stuff to getting into vinyls and, you know, expanding your um, perspective on, on just DJing itself. Mm hmm. Definitely. And I even going further is like the genres. I mean, when I first started DJing, it was like all this top 40 uh, songs that are like your typical bar remixes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got into progressive house and then, you know, had a trap and trap phase. And then for two years, like I was exclusively DJing twerk music. And <laughs> to be to be honest, like I, I miss twerk music so much. Like. <laughs> Like, 2013, 14, 15, like, that was, no other music will move a room like that. And I'm so sad that that went away. But, um, yeah, like, then, like, 2014, 15, I'm, like, becoming a bass head for the next, like, few years. And hating on house during that time. Like, why do people listen to house? I don't understand it. And now I'm a house producer. <laughs> like. It's crazy, but I mean, that's the beauty of it. It's like, it's okay to like something and then have your, you know, have your thoughts change and your kids change. Yes, 100%. I I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you on that more. I think that there's definitely uh, too many people stop themselves nowadays from allowing their perspective to change because they think like, oh, like I can't, you know, why should I, why could I, how could I? But I think it's important that people, you know, realize like, hey, just because you didn't like something before doesn't mean you can't like it at some point in your life. You yeah. know, whether it's it's anything like people can change your perspectives and that is OK. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. And I, I but I'm, I'm sure the the vast array of of genre like jumping did that kind of come throughout the period of you 
being able to have all these opportunities is working with these other DJs, like being on, you know, like being at Moonrise and Big Dub, you know, being on stage with people like Snails and Skrillex. Is this something that you kind of figured out before these opportunities or something you figured out throughout them? I think it comes along like, you know, when I'm going to a show, I'm hearing an artist play something um, that I haven't heard about before, you know, and I, I kind of get that adrenaline rush, as we alluded to earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time I heard, like, Habstract play live, and, you know, this is back when he was dubstep and he was releasing stuff on Never Say Die all the time. And then the second half of his set was, like, Bass House. And I was like, this is wild. Like, this is such an energy boost in the room. Like, I don't know how to move to this. I don't know what I'm feeling. And I think right then was like a good example of like cool i heard another dj like play um play a song that like i've never heard before or a type of you know music or genre and like it's inspiring yeah i think i think that's the that's huge um you know that i i've the inspiration, you know, I think is, is so big. That's why I love this show. That's one of the biggest reasons why I love doing this show. This podcast is, is hopefully being able to give other people opportunities that little things spark in their head being like, Hey, you know, the way that they were talking about this sounds pretty easy. I, I could be able, I could do this. So why Mm -hmm. not try? And I think, you know, and that, influence is definitely translated through multiple different facets in life but being able for you to to take that you know within the moment being like hey this is someone that I'm working with is something I'm seeing and and allowing yourself to to be there in that moment to to learn to grow I think it is is such such an amazing talent and nonetheless and let alone just being able to you know allow yourself to transition as an artist and giving yourself that freedom to do that, I think is important too. Definitely. I mean, music is, I like to think of music as like the one language that's like universal amongst everyone else. You know, like you don't have to necessarily speak the language or be a part of the same culture. It's completely okay. If you like it, you like it. And I think Music is the one thing that we get to choose, like, what we like and allow ourselves to be open to it. I mean, look, I I can't stand country. Like, country is my least favorite, like, genre ever. But referring back to that Pretty Light song, like, yeah. it made me appreciate country. And that that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I agree, especially when other artists can can show you can show you that light. Um, well, I want to, I want to take a quick, uh, you know, sidebar for everyone who's listening, um, to give a quick shout out, help out some small business, uh, no matter where you're located, you know, this, the neon talks about, uh, supporting other people, supporting other artists, supporting other businesses, people following their dreams, especially in this, this hard time of COVID. So, uh, so Ross, you take this away. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to have a special guest on tonight. Um, Evan Weinstein, he is the owner of Moonrise, um, the owner of Steve's promo. Um, he's a good friend of mine, and he's actually Hello. like, hey, what's up, Evan? What's up? What's going on? Nothing much. So we're just introducing you. Um, so, Evan, like, you, re- I, I mean, shit hit the fan for you in March with COVID, and I know you had, like, a huge lineup coming with, you know, uh, what's this, your eighth Moonrise that was coming up? Um, this would have been our seventh moonrise. Seventh moonrise, it's crazy, and like, 
I mean, all the shows you had planned at Echo Stage and Soundcheck and, you know, Soundstage, um, you know, no one got hit harder than you in the DNV area. And, you know, I was just telling Paige how it's incredible the pivot that you made, you know, using your passion with food and creating this business that you know, not only is it profitable, but is really changing how businesses operate within Baltimore right now, especially the restaurant industry. Yeah. So, I mean, it was just, you know, it, it was fortunate happenstance on that level. I got to go into something. I got to chase something that I really love doing. Um, everything that happened with COVID was obviously, I mean, it's a, it's a global issue that the music industry and, and entertainment industry in a lot of ways shut down. And we, you know, we were just, everybody was handed a bad, a bad, you know, set of cards there for 2020 that's kind of carried into 2021 and you know some some places some countries are getting back to normal starting to have shows some parts of the u.s are still having shows i you know i don't i don't know when it's coming back for us we're hoping that later this year we're going to be able to get back to normal and the exciting thing is you know we're we're built to be able to go out book shows get stuff going again quickly but Mm -hmm. in the meantime getting the switch to doing pizza has been super fun and it's you know i've gotten to apply a lot of things that i've learned through doing concerts to the food industry and it's really helped kind of change you know other people's perspective on it it's it helped me kind of establish a brand in a very short amount of time because i don't think a lot of people are are looking at food the same way mm-hmm. looking at promoting a food concept and then at the same time i think we've just got a really good product that we're putting out and everyone seems to love it I, I I had some tonight. I actually have some right here. Hey, um, it, it was my first my first time trying it tonight, and I gotta say it, it's it's some of the best pizza I've ever had. And I already texted you this like the mozzarella sticks was like I, I was absolutely like yeah. dumbfounded. It, it was like a wow factor of b- biting into it. Um, yeah, it, it's it's yeah, honestly. Yeah, I, mean, I appreciate that. You got the you guys got to have the pesto. So the pesto is like one of our signatures. It's a recipe. I started with a very basic recipe and kind of landed where we're at now. And mm-hmm. it's just, I've had, you know, people who've, I've had people who've worked at Michelin rated restaurants say that it's amazing. Like I've had friends who, I had a friend come in on New Year's and try it. He's like, I don't eat pesto. He used to work at Oto under Mario Batali. He worked uh-huh. at uh, Roberta's in Brooklyn. And he's like, I don't eat pesto. And I, he was licking the container, like the little <laughs> to-go container that I gave him. He was literally licking it, sitting there. He's like, this is incredible. And I'm like, I don't know what I did that makes it stand apart, but the pesto seems to really stand out to people. It, it really does. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the cool aspect of like looking at everything that you've done is, um, you know, at, me as an artist and also owning my own promotional company, like, you know, I like to think of myself as an entrepreneur. And I think a lot of other artists – um and influencers in this industry and not just our industry but when you also look at like nfl players like nfl players yeah they get paid millions of dollars but they have their side projects on the side side businesses that they want to run whether it's merch or opening up a restaurant um yeah it was just really impressive to see how quickly you pivoted and then to put out such a premium product with genius marketing behind it I mean, it's got to be inspirational for a lot of artists and a lot of other people in this industry to see that, yeah, music is kind of taking a hit right now in live events, but, you know, it, 
this community that you've built around you with Steez and, you know, Moonrise, it's been cool to see how everyone's come together and support your business and how it's kind of branched off with that. Yeah, I mean, it's that the whole process has been fun. It's definitely, you know, I I don't want to say, oh, my God, it's, you know, like I'm trying to be inspirational, but it just it just kind of happened that way. Uh-huh. It could have not gone, gotten to this place or, you know, there was definitely like some, a lot of amazing support we got along the way. Um, definitely Cordis Company. I've been, those guys, I've worked with them through Mosaic and through, other projects and we're always talking about hey what's going on hey what are you doing hey do you want to do this like we were throughout the concert side of things we're always talking and it just kind of happened where i'm like hey do you have any kitchen space you want to rent and they're like we have a whole pizza kitchen available and that's you know that's really what took us to this next level and um it's been nice to get feedback from people i mean i've had a lot of people from the concert industry come back to me and be like yo this is really inspirational like you you're doing you know, we're all, we're all looking at you like, wow, like we can find something else. You know what I mean? Or like, Hey, there's hope out there if concerts don't come back. And I think some of the, some of the upside of the negative of the pandemic, it's a weird way to say it, but (laughs) some of the upside has been like people have been kind of forced out to find their passions. And if you weren't, not to say I was unhappy with what I was doing, but I was doing it for so long and I wanted to be in food do something in food for so long and i've kicked around detroit style pizza for almost god it's almost two years that i've been saying hey i really want to do a detroit style pizza thing and we were the original conversation was let's just do it as pizza at moonrise to try mm-hmm. it out and then expand it to other festivals and that was the initial conversation that it started with it and then it kind of went from there and it just never went anywhere i mean the truth of the matter is it didn't do anything because as, as you know, as Steve and as most people who know us or, and to those who don't, like we're doing 300 shows a year. We're doing oh, yeah. multiple festivals. It's not, there's not a break. Like even in the time when the industry shuts down in mid December till early January, like that's usually used for catching up, like rewriting marketing plans, like doing, coming up with yearly plans, like things like that. And there's not really, ha- I haven't really had a break to do a passion project in so long. So this was almost, it was almost in retrospect, obviously it's not fortunate in any way for me because I had a business that I spent 20 years growing, go from normal revenue to zero in 72 hours. Yeah, um, yeah it's definitely a hard hit. Time, like, having that fortunate opportunity to go out and actually do some, do something that like a new passion project and have the time. And it really all started because I was driving to DC for Detroit style pizza in may in april and may and i was driving around trip like almost two hours and one <laughs> it, day i was driving back and i was like what the hell am i doing i can make this at home well, that's, right and I, that's literally the thought that started this whole thing and then the second thought was after i posted it i had a friend who's like ship me pizza i'll pay to ship pizza to california and it, that was like the second step and the next day i'm like oh people will buy pizza me <laughs> it's really crazy kind of how it all starts from from just an idea and how it can snowball from there when the opportunities are put in place in front of you and and you're able to have your eyes open enough to to take them i mean it is definitely unfortunate you know where the music festival scene is right now i definitely have have high hopes that that things 
transition smoothly enough that we can start getting things back on the ground again and getting people going so you know we can get those back around but it is definitely awesome and inspirational for sure that you were able to like you like you were saying Evan you know get out of your box and and dive into something that you knew you were already a little bit passionate about and finally had the time to to do something with it and um I'll, you know, also just sidebar from there as well. Uh, DJ Duke wanted to say that he loves you guys um, just from uh, the, the chat over here. But um, I, I definitely nice. appreciate you you coming on the call here and coming on the podcast. Where can everybody find all your stuff? So you can go to undergroundpizza.co.co. Um, and that's where you can find our stuff for buying pizza in Baltimore and for our pop-ups. And then we're also going to be launching national shipping starting next week. We do have that up now privately, but we're going to be putting that up full scale next week. And we're going to be shipping overnight from us to you. Overnight shipping, any pizzas you want, pretty much. That's crazy. That's that's dope. I've I've never, uh, overnight pizza sounds like an amazing thing. I won't lie. I'm I'm from Buffalo. (laughs) And if I could get some overnight pizza from Buffalo down in North Carolina, I think I'd be happy. We can just get more food delivery services like this i'd be great i mean it's definitely a good thing. Um, they they definitely they definitely have it gold belly gold belly does it for a lot of businesses but i've been told by some buffalo people that we have a very similar pizza to buffalo pizza so we can send yes. you out some down to north carolina definitely gonna have to try that out for sure i'm <laughs> awesome. taking that well thanks for having me on yeah man thank you so much and, and good luck with all the advent of all your adventures yeah thanks for taking definitely. the time to uh call into the show yeah, definitely. Thanks, guys. All right, take care, Evan. Yeah, that's that's awesome. The uh, the whole pizza delivery service that that's definitely a really cool way. I mean, like you were mentioning uh, to him, it's. I think a lot of people have taken the time through COVID to think about the different ways of of food, whether it's food transportation, whether it's growing your own food, whether it's just becoming more resourceful. There are so many, you know, I've had a few people on this show recently who have been doing a lot of stuff with, you know, uh, herb growing and community gardens and just all these different facets of of food trucks. And, you know, it's so interesting seeing where this transformation of restaurants is going since Uh there isn't so many sit down, dine in things like where the, is it all going to be street food at some point? Like, right. I, I think, I think this kind of relates to the conversation that you and I, I had a couple of days ago when we first talked was, you know, if you didn't take the last year to really reflect on yourself, whether it's, you know, if you had to change your personality or if you, you know, you know, you wanted to try out some, you know, passionate projects and stuff like at this point, I hate to sound like a Debbie Downer, but if you didn't take the time to reflect and, you know, take some risks, then you kind of wasted a gift. And I, I totally understand that COVID really hit, you know, people hard. I mean, look, like Moonrise is the biggest festival in this area. And, you know, Evan went from selling it out for seven straight years, probably, to not having it anymore. And the fact that he was able to pivot and create such a successful business at launch. I mean, I really hope that people see that and, you know, really take some inspiration from it. And it's not too late. Like, 
you, yeah. If you don't take risk in life, then you're just never going to get anywhere. Well, and it, it's the whole saying, like, you know, if, if the people expect things to change while continuously doing the same thing. Like, right. you know, it's you can't expect change if you're staying stagnant with you, what your actual actions are. You need to take different actions and, and getting out of that comfort zone. You know, I've mentioned on on this show quite a few times just being comfortable with being uncomfortable and and getting into that that momentum of being like okay I'm uncomfortable about this let's keep going like like analyze what makes you uncomfortable you know is if as long as it's not a a fight or flight life or death situation then Mm -hmm. and and it's just something you need to overcome then fucking do it because you never know what could come out of something like that. All the opportunities that, you know, I think I've personally been given is for many of those exact things being like thinking back on it, being like, wow, like what if I just didn't have the courage to go up and talk to that person? Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't have the courage to go up and talk to, you know, the guy with the camera at the bar downtown freaking four years ago. I never would have been in the EDM scene. I never would have met everybody that I met. I never would have met, you know, Neon Black, at least in in this, you know, parallel. We could get into multiple dimensions, whatever. But, you know, it clearly all could have still happened. But regardless, like, it was was me taking that, that step out of my comfort zone to to ask a simple question that led Mm -hmm. and blossomed into so much. And I think that, you know, it's, it needs to be integrated. And, and again, if you didn't take the time to, to really analyze where you are in life throughout COVID, you know, it's still, like you said, it's still not, still not too late. There's always It's just kind of sobering to think about like how many people out there who are talented and have passions aren't taking these risks and, you know, aren't taking the chance. I mean, I, I really do think that there's, you know, to relate it back to music, like, there's so many bedroom producers who are like 13, 14, 15 years old who create better stuff than Porter Robinson right now. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's honestly crazy. Um, oh, Evan wants to know your, um, he wants to know your Instagram. Oh, um, page Hardy underscore is my personal Instagram. What's for the show? Um, you can just find it at Neon Talk. I mean, not, uh, Neon Black Clothing, Neon Black Co. on Instagram. It's on our IGTV Sweet. live under the hashtag Neon Talk Podcast. Sweet, perfect. I know we we've been we've been on the fence of whether we're gonna create a an Instagram page specifically for the show or not because we're sponsored uh-huh. through Neon Black Clothing. We actually started this show on the Neon Black Clothing's Instagram page. And I think having it on the, the IGTV live is pretty nice. I might make an Instagram page for it for some little like fun clips and snippets instead of just having all the live streams on there um, just mm-hmm. to have people go over and look at. But, uh, but for the time being, um, mainly Facebook is the, the truest Neon Talk uh, page other than uh, where you can find it on all audio platforms and stuff. 
Awesome. But little plug and play on, on, on my end. Let's talk, uh, you know, about what you transitioned into. So during COVID, you know, I mean, aside from being a DJ, you know, and being a producer, you also the mm-hmm. founder of Young Cult Collective. So, you know, having that that platform for, I think, about like, what, four four years now or so you've been? We would have, we would have had our four-year anniversary next week. Um, and it, it's kind of sad to think about, but it's also... You know, like everyone's alluding to, I mean, I mean, Evan throws 300 shows and, you know, a festival uh, festival for tens of thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people, um, you know, a year. And I throw about 20 to 30 shows a year and I feel like I can never get a break. So I can't imagine doing 10 times the work that he does. Um, but, yeah, we went from selling out for close to two years uh, every single show to not having anything. And... You know, it, it it sucks, and I could have sat back and said, man, look at all the money that I lost. Um, but I had kind of a different way of thinking about it. You know, this was my time to kind of say, you know, okay, I have a full-time job. So, like, I'm, you know, I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I don't really have the financial pressure that a lot of people do have. Um, but this is my time to kind of reflect and, you know, what was I doing? What can I do better? Um, and what can I do more of? So, yeah, I, you know, I got into a couple of live streams and I really just, my heart wasn't there. Um, you know, with DJing and producing, like the energy is definitely within the room mm-hmm. as we, as we said previously. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I definitely put a lot more stake into, uh, producing and for the first time I actually released my music I think I released eight or nine tracks um hey, last nice. year one original and the rest of them doing um flips um but yeah and then in the last you know few months um I've been getting into PC building and I've always I've always loved watching other people do it I always thought it was really cool to like build a computer from scratch and make it look as cool as some people do mm-hmm. um and yeah so it was just one of those days where it's just like you know what i'm gonna do it i'm just gonna go for it and do it um i got help on my first build and i got all the parts from facebook marketplace um so for a build that probably cost about twenty five hundred dollars it cost me about a thousand dollars so it definitely helped having that first time you know having someone help with it and then I got so addicted to like watching videos and understanding what the different components do. And there's like a million different cords and a million different plug-in spots on a motherboard. And, you know, I, it really felt like, again, I that same feeling when I first started DJing, like where like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's cool because like I'm learning again and yeah, I, I've been nonstop since. And learning something you're just extremely passionate about. I, I've noticed, you know, yeah. I, I saw on your Facebook, you're you're up to your your fourth build now. Um, yeah. And, like, just the other day, you were at your third. You just, like, knocked out the other two just, like, back to back. You're just getting, like, quicker at it now. And so I know you flexed on, <clears throat> excuse me, on uh, Monday Mashup. And I'm going to make you do it on this show as well. Go ahead. Because I think this is cool as hell. Like, my brother built me a computer. But, like, you have a wall-mounted PC. I do have a wall-mounted PC. A wall-mounted PC with a with a custom water loop and like the little 
digital monitoring system down there. Like for all of the, the computer nerds out there, tell us a little bit about what kind of went into into that build specifically and what was the biggest hurdle getting over to do that? So so I bought this house back in March and I knew that I wanted a room dedicated for work and for music production. Um, so I've been living with my parents the last five years saving up to be able to like afford a house. Mm-hmm. So I just remember my parents being so pissed when I put up acoustic treatment in my room. Um, my mom, who's like type A all the way on that spectrum, you know, wants her house to look a certain way. And all of a sudden I'm putting like these cheap, like one inch, like <laughs> black and orange, like foam pads on the wall and it covered the whole wall. And um, <laughs> I kind of use permanent sticky tape on it. <laughs> so, like, take, so like when they went to like redo the room, like it was me literally, uh, mostly my dad, but I'm going to give myself a little bit of credit, like taking a scraper and scraping all the paint, paint off, off the, wall the wall and just destroyed it. Yeah. So I, and this is when COVID hit too. So I knew that I was going to be working from home for a while. Mm. So I wanted to create a room where it didn't feel like work anymore where I could actually like kind of be in Zen and come in here like where I'm working and feel comfortable, you know, going about and sitting here for, you know, eight hours a day doing my full-time job. And then another four to five sometimes, you know, either streaming, playing video games or producing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, there's more money spent in this room than the entire house. And um, I went ahead and I created my own um, custom acoustic panels. Um, shout out to Zyver, one of my friends who came over and showed me how to do it. Um, Interesting. And um, yeah, so I, I had literally everything between you know, my CDJ setup, the sit stand desk, you know, the ultra wide monitor. Um, the last thing I wanted was a PC. I was like, cool, I have no room. Like, there's just nothing – I can't fit anything on here. Like, I don't know where I'm going to put it. And PCs shouldn't go on the floor because of the dust issues. Yeah. And overheating. So, I did my research. I found a case that actually has the backing of it. You can wall mount with a um, – you can attach a TV mount on it. Okay. Yeah. So, take Core P3. You can actually put a TV mount on it. And – there's actually like a plug on that wall, um, which when I like first moved in, I was like, kind of that's weird. Like, no idea why that's there, because uh, this was a nursery room. Yeah. Uh, and so it just kind of matched up perfectly about having the plug there and putting it, putting the computer there. Um, and I was kind of like a jackass when I first got like into computing, <laughs> because I was like. I don't need water cooling. There's no component that I actually like need it for, but I want it. I want this to be like, like I want some art in here. Yeah. Like there's these acoustic panels and stuff. And yeah, they, I've got like LEDs everywhere, but like there's no signature thing of the studio. I was like, cool. Well, I'm going to do water cooling. And yeah, it just, it looks beautiful. And it, it, it really is a piece of art. And that's how I kind of treat the PCs now. It's like, you know, if you're spending this much money, make it look cool. Make it the cool thing about PC building is like you can do whatever you want. If you want a four hundred dollar, you know, computer and it makes your needs, cool. Like 
Thank you everyone for joining this episode of Neon Talk. Unfortunately, the end of our show did get cut out, but don't worry, you didn't lose too much. Um, just wanted to go ahead and let you guys know you can all follow Riot at its Riot R-H-E. Y-A-T-T on Instagram, SoundCloud, and any of the other platforms that you would like to look for him. Um, thank you, Evan. Uh, shout out to him as well for coming on, uh, giving us, uh, you know, a little bit of inspiration of, of how he's turned this COVID opportunity into something of the better. And thank you, everyone, for joining and tuning in today. Again, I know I do apologize that our end very got cut out. But, uh, you know, technical difficulties, what can you do other than just keep trying and keep your chin up? So give this show a like, a share, a comment if you guys liked it. I really hope you did. Um, we appreciate the love and the support in any way possible. Thank you guys all for joining us. And we hope to see you next Wednesday.